Welcome to the Challenger CEO podcast with your host, Karen Pollard. This podcast is for big heart, big impact CEOs who want to change the world, challenge the status quo and change the narrative. They're change makers, solution makers, problem solvers, looking for ways to challenge that status quo and change the way things have always been done. If you're in that group, you're in the right place. I am joined by the amazing James Adu, who's keynote speaker, founder and lead coach of Innerscope. Welcome, James. Thanks for having me. Really good to be here. Amazing. So mm. for anybody who's never heard of you, mm. because they've probably been living under a rock, <laughs> <laughs> what is Innerscope yeah. and what does it stand for? Yeah, it's great, great question. So Innerscope is a coaching company at the heart of, of what we do. We're about really equipping students and young people um, with a robust skill set that helps them navigate their learning. But we like to think that the skills that we give them to help them navigate their learning also helps them in their wider lives as well. Mm. Because we're really passionate about equipping young people. Um, we recognise that that doesn't take place in a vacuum. So we work quite closely with the middle and senior leaders around the students, um, around their leadership um, acumen in order to support the young people and to work more effectively as, as teams mm -hmm. so that, um, yeah, learners and leaders thrive. That's, that's who that's we are. That's fantastic. So you're tackling it from the top up mm. and the bottom up and yeah. you're intersecting in between. Totally, totally, mm. yeah, yeah. How did you come up with the concept mm. around this framework? That's a great question. I, whenever I think about how Innerscope came to be, I think there's, yeah, there's key like life moments that contributed. Um, so, for instance, one of them was like many, many years ago, I was a learning mentor in an educational setting in an in a alternative education setting. So I was a pupil referral unit. And to be honest, there was definitely times where students walked through the doors and they had better maths than me, to be honest, even though I was staff. But what, we, what became very clear is that their ability to navigate relationships with their peers and professionals in their life is where they struggled. And when I think about my academic journey, I was one of those students who I wasn't the sharpest tool in the box, mm. but I, was, I, I had a natural knack for building and establishing relationships with my friends and with staff around me. And because it was that way around, it meant that although I was academically playing catch up for a long time, and um, when I hit year 10, I was, I, I was able to kind of like turn a corner basically. Mm. And I, I ended up getting <clears throat> like, yeah, I was, ended up surpassing what was predicted of me academically. So with that as a educational reference for myself and then seeing the students who, you know, academically they were capable, but there was some relational and behavioral issues getting in the way. And then around that time, I was getting trained as a youth coach. I came across themes like emotional intelligence and things of this nature. I was like, there's a chasm here between, mm. you know, a, a skill set that can truly be of service to young mm. people. So that was one thing that really got my head going. I also had the absolute privilege of being a youth worker in the, the area where I grew up. So I grew up in Islington, North London, on an estate called Andover Estate. And I had the pleasure of like being there for the best part of 10 years. Mm. And I think just, again, um, working with young people in the lo local area and seeing some of these reoccurring themes getting, getting in their way um, definitely kind of got me thinking about, you know, what would it look like to create a space where young people can really engage with, with tools that can help them navigate their, their journey forward. Mm. And then I think a final significant piece is when I, I went to university. In my second year, we did a module on counselling, coaching 
and um, mentoring. And when I learnt about coaching, I was like, I love the sound of this. I love this whole idea of having um, not only like not having not feeling like you have to have all the answers for people's questions, but having questions for people's answers, basically. Mm. And then from there, you know, um, whether they're learners or leaders, then being able to find um, solutions to some of the challenges. Um, and just playing a role as a skilled helper to enable that to happen. So those three components contributed to to what is now Innerscope. Yeah. Mm. It sounds almost evangelical. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great question. I think I think for me, a, a key part of my um, my background, actually, was as a youth worker. I was a youth worker at a local church, actually. So I, I think my faith is kind of like interwoven into mm. all that I am, to be fair. It's kind of yeah. like the heartbeat of who I am. Mm. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that, um, yeah, when working with young people, working with, with leaders, there is something quite powerful about, yeah. yeah, creating those spaces where they get to identify what moving forward looks like for yeah, them. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So I can see it's definitely a big heart business mm. and mission-led. Mm. Tell me about the big impact mm. and, and how does that look and where have you created that impact? Yeah, so that's an interesting question. So, yeah, it's, it's been interesting, actually. So, like... Um, what I love about the work that we get to do is at the end of a program, we ask students to evaluate how they found it. And even today, um, we rounded up a program in a school in Reading. And um, one of the year 11 students um, basically said something to the liking of, um, it's helped me to not see my learning as this mundane task that I have to do, but something that shapes my future. Mm. And for us, I think that's, that's a big part of what we want to offer students. Mm. Um, we don't go in to school saying that um, education is the be-all and end-all, but we do um, create a space where they get to see it as something that can actually serve as an asset to mm. their aspirations. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, so that would be a key way, particularly when working with students. And then with staff teams, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying that more and more, more of recent um, being asked to work with middle and, and senior leaders. So we do stuff around conflict resolution and team communication. Mm-hmm. And what's quite cool is that with some of our work, for instance, it's got um, there's a psychometric elements in, involved and um, just using some of those tools and teams being able to understand themselves a little bit mm. more and, and um, creating a bit more cohesion within, you know, staff teams. For me, that's massive impact because it's, it's yeah. great for them as a team and it's great for the students as well. So, yeah. And it sounds, when you creating that awareness, mm-hmm. it sounds like it's more of an empowering process mm-hmm. for them and and something that you touched on in terms of an emotional intelligence. Mm. What shifts can you see in how schools are being led mm. by those teams? Then? Yeah, yeah. I think one of the key themes, and I guess one of the key components as well of emotional intelligence is intelligence is awareness like self-awareness and um i think a big part of the program and and the coaching and the training that we do is helping leaders think about what what is it like being on the other side of them and so what's been really helpful is when there are you know throughout the hustle and bustle of a normal day a lot of pressure there's things that we we do almost unconsciously isn't it and sometimes they're picked up more by others than we actually recognize and I think seeing leaders go on this journey where they become a little bit more cognizant and pertaining to how they come across, I think for us is an absolute win. And then them being able to make informed decisions as to how they can, you know, improve how they work together mm. and, 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 and also develop, develop a sense of like relational currency within a team. 
yeah. I think is really, really powerful. Mm. So, yeah, yeah mm. I think what we find is when, when leaders kind of grow in a willingness to to think about what it's like being on the other side of them, we just find yeah. that it's, it's a bit more, much more of a healthy culture's created. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One thing that I noticed um, is living in London and this mm. big melting pot, and, and I think probably it's a UK observation as well, is when people come from minority communities mm. within the UK, role models are very much celebritized mm. rather than being in the heart of the community. So how do you challenge that to mm. democratize role models? Mm. Could you could you rephrase that again? I'm just just I've fully got your question. I'm listening. So in terms so in terms of celebritizing, yeah. I think we can probably we can identify five to ten people yeah. that go out there and they're the aspiration to mm. be. Mm rather than actually if we'd looked more within our communities yeah. who are the people who are actually the role models to aspire to be more like yeah. that don't set the unrealistic expectations mm. that you have to have a million pound deal behind you, you. And, yeah um, I understand. not everybody's going to be an olympian yeah <laughs> so, so so yeah. true so so true no no i'm happy yeah happy to ask again i think yeah that point is so powerful isn't it um we like to talk about this whole theme of pioneering new narratives with the work that we do. Mm. Because essentially, um, unfortunately, to be honest, it's something I experienced as a, as a student myself. You know, okay. when I was a secondary school student, I was, I was, I was um, like, I was really into my music and naturally into my drama. So mm. I picked music and drama for my GCSEs. And then I realised that everyone that picked music and drama was black, basically. <laughs> And just for the sake of it, I just said, you know what? I ain't picking drama. I'm going to pick history. I probably should have stopped with drama. I would have passed because I didn't pass history, to be fair. <laughs> but there was... But I look back at that decision and there's something about it that I still actually, like, acknowledge and, and appreciate. Because I guess at that age, I was saying, no, but surely there must be other pathways for people that look like me. Mm. Um, I might not have been the most qualified to walk that one, particularly history, GCSE. <laughs> But um, but this whole idea of creating different stories and different narratives, um, particularly that to which, you know, is an expression of success, I think is super important, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that, you know, we're wanting to encourage more and more at Innerscope, to be fair. I've got mm-hmm. um, some good friends that are doing some exciting stuff. Um, and from time to time, uh, we, I, I don't think we've hit the nail on the head just yet but just inviting them to be voices and examples um, to some of the young mm. people that we work with. Um, yeah, it's something that we definitely want to do more of. Yeah. yeah. So collaboration is important. Totally, totally. Mm. I think I think ensuring that, yeah, young people get to see a, a variety of what success looks like is mm. can be very liberating, actually. And, and very, yeah, very, I guess, countercultural. Um, particularly when there's predominant ideas and paradigms that are presented to to young people, I think is very important. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I get that. And I, I get the whole, something I'm really passionate about is democratising mm-hmm. ambition and normalising ambition mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and creating future generational wealth mm-hmm. and just breaking that chain and breaking that cycle 
I think there was something that you touched on there mm. about that very conscious act that you made about mm. choosing history because everybody else was choosing drama. Mm. And perhaps that was a pivotal seed for you mm. in terms of, well, this is how history has been written in the past. Mm. Am I going to be that person that's going to rewrite history in the future? Mm. I like that. Yeah, exactly. And again, um, yeah, I definitely, I'm, I remember that particular that particular season. Um, and with the work that we do, particularly with students, I'm all, always like, there's always that demand to, to think about um, what school was like. And I think there is that sense in which there's an inner knowing that obviously there's clearly got to be more opportunities, pathways than what's commonly presented. Um, and I guess for me at that age, I wasn't satisfied with with the status quo. You mm, know? Yeah. Mm, mm. When you go into the schools and you work with the leadership teams, mm. what are the common challenges mm. that you're faced with as a theme and a trend mm. that you've turned into an opportunity to actually embrace and transform question. them? Good question. Um, common challenges will be here for a very long time, but I think key ones that come to mind is the reality of conflict, isn't it? Wherever there's a person, there's going to be conflict, you know? Um, wherever there's, should I have tea? Should I have coffee? Should I, ah, I don't know what to do, you know? <laughs> and wherever there's two, when, and so if you've got more than one person, there's the interpersonal conflict is likely to take place. Mm. And so what I find is that although I might go into work with a, a group and maybe they want to talk about things like high performance and want to talk about a variety of other key themes. Um, this usually at some point, there's a, James, it'd be great to have a word, actually. There's a lot of, mm. you, know, you know, so it, it can almost be taboo. But what's really interesting is the way how we work with teams. We let te teams know straight, out, straight up that actually conflict is inevitable. It's going to happen. And actually the way in which we perceive conflict has an impact in, which, in how we engage with conflict. But it's, it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and it can be very constructive. But I think conflict's a key one that comes up. And then, yeah, I guess themes around differences of approaches. You've got some people that are more task-oriented, some are more team-oriented. You've got some who are more like, you know, they when they make decisions, they want to be really, like, logical and objective, while some are really committed to maintaining a sense of relational warmth within mm. a team. So all of these things can contribute to, to conflict and, and just, yeah, a sense of friction sometimes within teams. So yeah. these are, like, common, common themes. They're common themes. Yeah. So as an observation, then... Mm. What what would you say needs to change in the national curriculum mm. and where do you see yourself being that instigator? That's a good question. I definitely think there has to be a shift around what was what used to be called historically like soft skills. Because the truth of the matter is these these soft skills sometimes can be hard to come by in particular in some industries. So I think equipping students with an ability to manage and regulate or even identify what's going on for them emotionally, mm. Mm. Um, I think is super important. And then leadership, essentially. I think um, we like to say that we help learners see themselves as leaders and we help leaders remind themselves to be, um, you know, learners, actually. Mm. And I think, so I think leadership for students is really important because I, we've just found, for instance, there's. I remember we were working with a school in South London, coaching two students, and and there's a particular part in our program where we do that. We encourage them to start seeing themselves as leaders, and we're working with a, a group of like year eight students, 
And during that session, during that particular little spiel, there was a student that was listening and was quiet, laid back, quite chilled. And then as we continued, he just, he just changed his posture and started to take a little bit more of a... And it was just interesting to see that when they were called up to something new, um, they rose to it. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what implications that will ha- ha- have yeah. um, if that sort of approach was, was um, you know, extrapolated nationally. Absolutely. But I think themes like, yeah, leadership, emotional intelligence, I think if these were seen as, you know, equally valuable to, you know, the academic aspects of the curriculum, it means that we're, we're contributing to a, more of a holistic, yeah. um, you know, mode of doing things. Yeah, getting mm. young people ready to actually integrate into society once I think they so. leave. I yeah. think so, I think so. I mean, I'm from South Africa originally mm. and we have 12 years in our our primary and secondary school education, but mm. we're 18 years old when we finish. Right. And it's, it's interesting because my daughter's only just started her school career mm. and, you know, at four or five years old they're starting and mm. then leaving at, you know, the age of 16, 17, you kind of have to know what to do. Mm. So what is what do you think would help a person at that age, do you think mm. they're ready to be an adult? That's a good point. At what particular age would you say, 18 or 16? Well, or? 16 and 17, that's the reality that we're yeah. living in. Yeah. So, so mm. I mean, for me personally, I have mm. my own, but I would love to hear what you, yeah, hear, yeah. you think. But, um, you know, are they, are they adult ready? Mm. And what more needs to happen to equip them to be ready to just fully integrate into society? It's a great question. I wouldn't say they're ready at, at 17, 16, um, you know, still, in, in my view, still what we would call young people, um, but they are people. Um, and they are at a point where there's massive opportunities for them to start creating momentum for when they are young adults and adults. And um, I always, I, I would say um, service, volunteering is, is um, powerful. Um, I had ample opportunity to volunteer in my local mm. community. Um, we had like organisations like um, Arsenal in the community because my estate was literally around the corner from both, not too far from Highbury, but even closer to the Emirates. So it meant that um, it meant that Arsenal in the community, there was like a coaching initiative where football coaches would come onto the estate yeah. and do sessions. And so there was opportunities to volunteer like that. And I, and I find that sometimes when you offer yourself up to serve, you start to identify your strengths. Mm. So I think for young people, um, that that would be one of the ways in which I would in, encourage them in terms of kind of working out where their strengths lie, where maybe where some of their interests may, may be, yeah. would be actually about how can I be of service to others? Mm. That would probably be the, the, yeah. the route I'll go down. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And do you think that there's a shift with this, the current generation and Generation Alpha coming mm. up as well mm. to enter into more of an age of entrepreneurs? Mm. Totally. And I'm, I'm glad there is because essentially, you know, it's funny, like when we coach um, students, sometimes we do this exercise around um, what we call like the rhythm of revision. And we get them to think about revising and stuff. But how we do that is we say we, well, we're going to fast forward you 10 years from now and you've been, you've been invited back to school. Um, you're, you're a successful, you know, business person, whatever, whatever where your interests lie, you're, you're smashing it. School's invited you back to give advice to students. 
And so I love that exercise because I get to pretend to be a student. Yeah. And and I so I have to ask questions and they've got to give their wisdom. And in doing so, they come up with solutions for their actual situation. But ha- however, in the exercise, one of the questions that I ask them is, considering the world is changing so rapidly, who's to say what I'm learning now is going to be of any value to me later? So I think this shift where essentially there's a, a more of an awareness and a leaning towards entrepreneurism, I think is really important because the world now is very different to what it was just five years ago. And a lot of the jobs that, you know, there's jobs that, won't, that, that don't exist now that would be a real reality for these mm-hmm. coming generations. So again, that ability to scan the horizons for things that will help and hinder and then think about, you know, the opportunities that might present is a skill within itself. Yeah. And I think sometimes what happens is that's not, it's, it's not spelled out. Yeah. So I'm happy that there's students, you know, being yeah. creative and doing things differently. Mm. Um, and I think it should be encouraged. I really yeah, do. Definitely. Yeah, we were in secondary school. Had a good friend of mine who's a successful entrepreneur now, fantastic filmmaker, um, pioneering in the UK, doing great stuff. When we were in secondary school, he was one of the first in our year group to start selling crisps and chocolates in the school <laughs> playground, you know, and we all jumped on, we all kind of yeah. sell our little, we had a whole sort of, yeah, we had it going on. We had like, if you wanted donuts, you could go to him, you went Chris, you go to him. And obviously it was prohibited in a school and we understandably, but a lot of my friends that were doing that are doing they've got a business street there that can also be I think affirmed as well maybe redirected at the very least as opposed to you know just yeah restricted yeah do you think that entrepreneurialism is taught enough at school I don't think it's taught at all to be fair do you think it's missing ah there's a massive chasm there which is a shame um and I think I think that this is one of the problems that's contributed to young people feeling almost disillusioned with education as it stands, because they're struggling to connect the dots with how this is going to help later Mm. on. Mm. And, you know, I don't feel like all of education should be seen in such a kind of pragmatic, transactional sort of lens, but then quite equally, surely there's something to, to say in regards to how we're intentionally trying to you know, catapult them towards their futures. Yeah. Um, and entrepreneurism, I think, is is a key part of that conversation. Yeah. So I definitely think it's missing, unfortunately. And um, it's, it's something that we're hoping to encourage um, and incorporate in the near future. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So... In terms of the scale of the business, mm. where, how big are you? Where do you work? Mm. Where do people find you? Mm-mm-mm. So so right now, team-wise, I'll, I'll still say we're a fairly small team. We've got about, there's about eight of us in total. Um, and in terms of our scope, we're, we're nationwide. So I've done a lot of a lot of driving this week, <laughs> so quite, <laughs> quite tired. But we've got um, clients um, as, as far up as Leeds, um, and because most of the team are quite local to London, so we work with a lot of schools in and around the London sort of area. Yeah. Um, and then, but then quite equally, because of the advent of like the online world, um, we've worked with with schools in Spain and Qatar, 
um, which is which was quite interesting. And and um, so yeah, I think scope is quite broad now because of because of um, the internet. Yeah. yeah. So you've managed to successfully integrate and marry the online and offline business oh, models totally, together. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I think um, prior to the pandemic, it was something that we were thinking about. Um, yeah. Um, we've we've got an online platform called Innerscope Online. And that's um, so. What that means is that when we leave schools, our impact doesn't leave with us. So those times in a um, in a pupil referral unit, there was definitely moments when outside visitors will come in and it will be very inspirational. And then after some time, said inspiration would dwindle off. But for practitioners like myself that were on the ground, we were still having to deal with the day to day. So now, mm-hmm. considering that I'm running in a scope now and aware of that dynamic, I just didn't want that to be something that we replicated. Yeah. So one time we were working with a school in Hackney, and then I came back one week and they were like, "James, Innerscope's great, but how do we keep Innerscope here when you're not here?" Mm. And out of that was two um, options. One of them was to create an app. And then I ended up having a great conversation with a company that does apps for like great brands. And they gave me a quote and I left so quick that I think my left, my left shoe in there, my coat, I think I left my coat on my left shoe. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go back <laughs> to go to plan B. And so plan B was what we have now actually, but I'm so happy that we went for plan B because yeah. it's, I think apps are very competitive. Yeah. Um, and what we have in Innerscope Online, it's just like, yeah, schools are using it in one or two countries other than ours. Yeah. And, and many schools that it might be more difficult to get to in person are making use of our content and resources. That's fantastic. Mm. So you've created something that's actually got universal mm. um, accessibility mm-hmm. and there's... and you're not bound by geography no. or cultural time zones yeah. and... Mm. You've become quite well known on the speaker's circuit Mm. (laughs) and you've also worked with some very large organisations on the corporate side. Mm -hmm. So tell me a bit about the corporate corporate James. (laughs) So with that element of the work that I do, there's more of a focus on um, leadership, um, team, team communication and sometimes I do work around um, storytelling and public speaking. Um, so I had the honour of working with um, a director at Warner Music Group. Okay. And did some coaching there around, yeah, communication and, and leadership, actually. That's and interesting. With that particular sort of work, is creating a space, for again, for leaders to pause and just to kind of, yeah, think about where they're leading from. Mm. Um, and also to take stock of... Take stock of, you know, what they have that's not being leveraged and then thinking, how can we kind of draw that out and incorporate that into into your sphere of of leadership? Yeah. 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 How do you see on the leadership side within the corporate sphere then Mm. that we can change the status quo? Mm. Mm. It's a great question. I think that can be answered in a variety of ways. I think particularly in the corporate space, we're looking at, I guess, industries broadly foster their own culture of their own, in a sense. And um, some cultures can be maybe too too intense and um, can have an impact on 
um, yeah, I guess the lived experiences of, of the leaders in those spaces and the teams that are part of that. Mm. So I think there's something to be said of like creating a bit more of a holistic approach to the way how one leads is important, mm. um, as opposed to it being um, some spaces can be very transactional um, and just bring in something of, yeah, more of a yeah a holistic yeah. consideration into one's leadership I think mm. is, is is an exciting endeavor that I would like to see many more spaces and teams yes. incorporate yeah. yeah although it's not it's not easy um but I think it's definitely worth fighting for yeah, yeah. definitely definitely so in terms of of what you're about and, and what you do um you speak mm. you coach you mm. mentor mm. Is there anything that you don't do? <laughs> <laughs> I don't tap dance no um, Is there anything I don't do? Ah, that's a good question. What do, is there anything I don't do? So it's interesting. I, I would definitely say I am a coach as opposed to a mentor. Okay. Yeah. Because mm. I, I find that if I was to give like a, a, a brief definition in one sense, a, a, a mentor in one sense, arguably has answers for your questions and a coach has questions for your answers. And I've always found it to be a bit more of a, yeah, just a bit more of a a sophisticated journey when irrespective of the experience and the expertise of whoever you're coaching, you create a space where they start to identify solutions for the problems that they have. Mm. I just, I like that sort of disposition of being almost being invited to serve as a guide on the side. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I like to say I do more coaching yeah. than mentoring. But with that being said, there's definitely times within coaching that a bit of mentoring does get in there. I think yeah. if I was to be, I think most coaches <laughs> would admit that. I think it's to, to the, it's to the what degree basically. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting because I have had so many conversations mm. with people around labels mm. around what they do. Right. And to this day, I'm still trying to find mm. the common answer between what's the difference between a coach, trainer, and mentor. That's a good question. Yeah. yeah. So I would round up, but if I was to summarize it as succinctly as I can, <laughs> I would say mentoring, um, essentially, a mentor puts in knowledge. And oftentimes the knowledge that they put in is from their own experience. Whereas a coach is to tease out knowledge. And oftentimes the knowledge that they tease out is from the experience of the coach. Mm. And a trainer essentially is like a, a teacher, you could say. Yeah. Um, often who delivers in a context of a group. Yeah. 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 What, um, what does 2023 look like for you? It's mm, a good question. <laughs> They're good all question. good questions. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 2023. <laughs> yeah. I think something that I'm like massively excited about is um, just seeing more and more students have a robust skill set that helps them navigate their learning. But for us, we take pride in giving them tools that they can use beyond their learning. Mm. So sometimes at the end of a program, like for instance, there's this very interesting conversation continually around the theme of resilience. And we just simply say resilience is the ability to bounce back. We know it's more sophisticated than that, but that's mm. a simple definition mm. that we give. Mm. And um, we've had students say things like, and at Interscope, we have a, an approach called the three R's of resilience, for instance. 
And we've had students say things like, I'm not only going to use the three R's of resilience in my learning, I'm going to use it for the rest of my life. And for us, that's like, yes, that's that's what we want to do. So that we're giving them a skill set that can be deployed in their education, but in their wider lives as well. So 2023, I think is that, but at scale. You know, Mm. I still think we're on an early journey of how we continue to roll out um, the impact and influence that we have as a company. Yeah. And then, yeah, definitely around working with teams because there's definitely, um, there's definitely, you know, times whereby staff members might say, um, where, where there's that reality, like, we, we need some of this stuff ourselves. I remember delivering a program um, in a pupil referral unit. And, and there was a moment, actually, when, where two students were having a side conversation. And during the program, staff members were sitting in on the program. And then one of the staff members interrupts and says, sir, sorry, and starts speaking to the students and says, you lot need to listen, because what this man is saying, I'm using in my marriage, you know? And so I think, again, just some of the way in which we work with with schools, um, but just at scale. Mm. I'm still very excited about um, Interscope Online and adding to that. Um, it was created, you know, pre-pandemic. Um, we had no, it was 2017 when we put it together. And just the, to know that schools that are like over the hills and far away, <laughs> I was speaking to a school head teacher this week and he was like, James, the school where I'm at, most students have aspirations to be a, a farmer <laughs> or not, <laughs> basically. And we're more closer to Wales than we are London. Mm. And so I'm like, yeah, probably our online platform. So just, just the reach that the online platform yeah. offers, I think yeah. I'm massively excited <laughs> That's about. True. Yeah. That's true. And then the final piece actually is, I guess what I was talking about in terms of that whole holistic piece. My wife was a teacher for seven years. A very, very um, phenomenal teacher at that. She actually was um, heading up a... Um, alternative education center for the school and um yeah I remember sometimes dropping her off and students that weren't going to school for instance or had were known to have poor attendance were getting to school before her basically um so she had this way of kind of creating a space where students wanted to be um and over her time and over her experience um just such a passion for work-life well-being um, and again, that holistic approach for for teachers. Mm. Um, yeah, like yeah, I'm I'm really excited about us being able to serve um, serve staff actually who mm. work tirelessly. Um, I was really really moved during the pandemic and speaking to teachers in in, in our network who, you know, were literally frontline. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and it's kind of funny how as things move on, we can kind of forget who was really willing to be like, you know, yeah, to, to really put their boots on the ground. Mm. So I think 2023 looks like how do we support um, staff teams more? And, uh, and my wife is going to be heading up, um, yeah, just our, our, I guess, our well-being resources. She's, she's got um, a whole host of resources that she's going to be incorporating into how we support staff. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's something around that We've, we can't ignore that period we came out of mm. with the pandemic because there's good and there's bad that came out yeah. of it. So what is the good that came out of that period mm. that you want to carry through with your business and the help that you're offering these? Yeah. Especially because, like you said, 
these teachers who were frontline, mm. a lot like a lot of people were digital laggers, and mm. all of a sudden there was new skills that very true, very yeah. very true. You know, once upon a time it was like taboo to have a meeting with a teacher online. I would have to like drive to the school to have a meeting. And I guess one of one of the key things that the pandemic did is it kind of forced everybody to start using new tools in order to navigate not being able to meet as much in person. And so themes like this, things like resources and, and access and how that can all be digitised, I think is an amazing thing that can carry through. So really mm. excited about that. Mm. Um, I, I, what's sad that hasn't carried through, I think, is that um, yeah, the reality, I think, just appreciation for teachers, to be fair. I think um, I was fortunate enough to have experience of, like, amazing teachers as a, like, underachieving student from, you know, a, like, underprivileged. Um, but I had amazing teachers. and And being married to you know, someone who was a teacher for seven years, there's a labour of love that often gets overlooked. So what was interesting is during the pandemic, that reappreciation, it kind of became a bit more prominent, but then it just dwindled. And I think actually I'm quite, yeah, I think for me with, with things like that, I like to, there's a sceptical side in me where when there's a surge and a particular focus on a particular thing, Part of me is like, okay, let's see where that energy would be maybe a year from now, maybe two years from now. And I think actually in terms of what that carrying through piece looks like is me asking myself that same question as in, you know, you know, we're not as alarmed. Um, we're not as alarmed about the, the pandemic as we once were. So what's Interscope stance going to be on continuing to champion how, you know, there's some amazing teachers out there doing amazing things. Mm. So that's definitely something that we're continuing oh. to think about. And, mm. yeah. I like that. Oh, yeah. we'll have to keep an eye out for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I have a final question for okay. you. What, because you've got a team of eight now, mm -hmm. what would your team say about your leadership style? Great question. What kind of leader are you in yeah. your own business? It's a really good question. <laughs> really good question. What would they say about me? Hmm. Um, to be fair, every term I do ask, to be fair, um, and things that come back are things around being supportive, being warm, being um, charismatic, um, that comes comes up. But then there's also stuff about being a little bit lastminute.com. <laughs> <laughs> and um, sometimes my communication, actually, in terms of how consistently I communicate, it can go through peaks and troughs as well. Um, so, so, so those are the downsides. Um, but I think often it's, it's um, symptomatic of, yeah, someone that's like, yeah, really passionate, mm -hmm. probably wants to, to, to execute on all of these dreams this time yesterday, um, and kind of lives between the now and the not yet. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. an exciting place to be. Mm. So what's your superpower then? What's my superpower? Wow. That's a great question. What's my superpower? Ah, I feel like there's a lot of strengths that I bring to the table. Um, my super duper one. Are you are you asking for the chief one or a few or? Well, if there was one thing you had to wear that cape, mm. <laughs> who would you be? Mm. My superpower. 
I think one of one of my superpowers is um, how much I get inspired by possibility and how sometimes it almost feels like it's already done because I can see it. Um, and then sometimes I get frustrated in the doing. <laughs> yeah. But I think one of them is, n- again, not getting too stuck in the now and being excited by the not yet. Mm. And it's got this, it's got its downsides um, to that approach. But I definitely think that when I look at Innerscopes, you know, something that started like one day a week, you know, and when I told some friends and family, they were like, what's, what's the point, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's one day a week um, to something that now, you know, serves students and staff teams nationwide. I think... Mm. That's that's to be, that's part of part of that um, dreamer yeah. notion. I think, and that needs to be celebrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think so. I think all of our strengths need to be actually. Yes. Yeah, I think that's a key part of teams that thrive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is there anything that we haven't touched on mm. that's burning on your chest that wow. if you walked out here today, you'd be like, "Damn, I wish I said that." Mm, that's burning on my chest. That's a great question. Really good. <laughs> You know, I shouldn't be shocked, but is there anything that's burning on my chest? Mm. I feel like there's so many directions where we could go, but I'm, I think... Well, maybe this could just be the part one. Yeah, maybe this is part one. Maybe I'll leave that, yeah, leave any, yeah, other, other themes for another time. Yeah. Fab, so... Mm. I mean, I know where to find you, mm-hmm. <laughs> but where where can everybody else find you? Cool. So, um, so Innerscope, www.innerscope.co.uk is our website. Um, and then um, I'm quite active on LinkedIn. I kind of live there. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you just put in James Adu, A-I-D-O-O, LinkedIn, you'll find me. Um, I'm I'm also a um, keynote speaker um, under Inspirational Speakers as well. So if you go to Inspirational Speakers website, you'll find me there. Um, and those are the like key places to find me. Those are your key hangout yeah, spots. Yeah, totally, totally, <laughs> yes, indeed. Fabulous. Oh well, it's been it's been inspiring. Oh, thank you. And and the work that you're doing is phenomenal. Thank you so and much. don't stop because oh, it is needed. Thank you. So thank you so much, James. Thanks was, for having me. Yeah, delightful. Oh, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Challenger CEO podcast with your host, Karen Pollard. Follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok at The Challenger CEO or subscribe at www.karenpollard.com forward slash podcast.